go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. You know who I am. Yes. Yes. Let's do this. Let's talk about some Harry Potter world stuff. Yeah. All right. Crimes of Grindelwald, uh, Fantastic Beasts uh, series. I bet they love fucking naming that shit and doing it the way they're doing it now. Uh, you have to put the Fantastic Beasts on everything. Um, you know what? You brought up something that... Um, was Talk about this first. I'm going to. But, um, yeah, we'll lead into that in a minute. But you bringing up uh, you know, the illusion of, of it being called Fantastic Beasts. Um, anyway, all right, let's get into this. So in 1927, the Magical Congress of the United States of America, which is called MACUSA, is transferring... Transfer- <laughs> like I'm learning to read. Is transferring the powerful dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald from their maximum security prison to London to be tried for his crimes in Europe. While departing New York City, Grindelwald is freed by his follower and Makusa employee, Abernathy. Grindelwald kills the guards and escapes using the transfer carriage. I actually like the beginning. That was a good sequence. It yeah. Was. Um, yeah. There's a traitor among us. <laughs> I like the fact that this is how they started the whole thing off. Um, the first the first movie was okay. Uh but this one really sets the stage yeah. uh, about what they're trying to do with the series, it seems like. Um, it's interesting that they started off in the United States of America uh, and transferring Grindelwald to a maximum security prison in London. Like, why didn't they just uh, disappear it? Oh, apparate. Yeah. When they apparate him. Um, uh, maybe there's just... Because <laughs> you, you, uh, I guess maybe you lose... There's a temporary loss of control... If you apparate somebody and they're you know they're and they're being um, held, I, maybe I don't know. It's possible, you know, because he what if he breaks away in mid-flight or something and and then he just ends up going wherever the fuck you know. Well, I don't know if they can do. I mean, like if you watch, if you watch the previous Harry Potter films, yeah, like Harry and Hermione and Ron, yeah, the splinting thing when they when they when they did the apparate thing, they would have to hold each other's hands. Yeah. So I don't know if it was because. Together they were stronger mm. and could do that, or or what the reason was. I think it's yeah, because yeah, when they're younger, it's <laughs> still more difficult than when you're an adult and do it all the time. Yeah, who knows? So, um, yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, it was uh, no, it was the whole thing. The, it was a good start. It was a throw, you know, it was a change because you know you figured that it was going to start with with uh, uh, Newt's commander being in France, right? Because that's where he was going to when the last film ended, right? Right, and so and instead it, it you know. And then that gives you a clue that well, well, I mean, the title of the film gives you the clue that this is more than just about Fantastic Beasts. You know, it's, you can tell where this is, you know, in, in a certain direction that's going to probably be going. So, um, all right. So three months later in London, Newt's commander is appealing to the Ministry of Magic to restore his international travel right, rights, which were revoked following his visit to New York. While at the ministry, he runs into Lita Lestrange, an old Hogwarts classmate now engaged to his Auror brother, Theseus. <laughs> you try to say or brother you, you, you read you read between the commas i i do i fucking william do. shatner <laughs> the ministry <laughs> off, <laughs> the ministry offers to restore newt's travel rights if he will work for the department of magical law enforcement <laughs> alongside theseus to locate the obscurial credence barebone who has resurfaced in Paris. It is suspected that Credence is Lita's long-lost brother, Corvus Lestrange, the last of a long line of pure-blood wizards 
Grindelwald believes Credence is the only person who can kill his equal. Hogwarts professor, Albus Dumbledore, Newt... Jesus Christ, Holy fuck, dude. Dude, dude, I'm like... They look like... You literally cannot... You you can't read. I can read. Newt declines, refusing to choose sides, and the Aura Grimson is dispatched in his place. It looked like a period. After leaving the ministry, Newt is summoned by Dumbledore, who persuades Newt to locate Credence. I read Ken. (laughs) All right, so... Awful. um, (laughs) What did you think of... uh, of uh, Zoe Kravitz's uh, character, uh, they didn't overdo her. I know that for a fact. They they definitely didn't overdo the character. No, in fact, her her introduction was actually well done. Most of the introductions of new characters were well done. The whole Corvus Lestrange Credence Barebone deal, which we'll get into later. Uh-huh. Um, I still don't know about that character. Every time I look at him, all I can see is uh, the dude from um, the the Goblet of Fire. Um, oh. Um. Oh God! I know his name. I know his name. The one time I need to recall his name, and I, I he was played by by um, the guy who played Edward in in Twilight. No, that's not who I'm talking about. Oh, uh, he was uh, he was a Quidditch player. He's from Germany. Oh, um, yes. Um, he starts with a V. He has got a V in his name. Um, yeah, Hermione went went to the dance with him. No, that's not him. Fulmer. Shit. I hate it when I forget characters' names. Yeah, it's the Durham Durhamstrang Institute. God damn it! <laughs> Here we go. Actually, I wanted that one. Hold on a second. Boop. <laughs> he was right there, and and you you left the screen. The actors um, and the character was right there. <laughs> Crumb, Victor Crumb. Victor Crumb. There we go. I didn't even see it on there. I just it, it fucking finally came into my. It I, only I took knew, a minute. I knew there was a V and V in there. I just Victor Crumb. Yeah, he reminded me of Victor Crumb. And uh so I, and every time I saw him like, well they're calling him they're calling him Credence and this and that, but what if his real name is Crumb, not mm-hmm. you know. I thought you were going to say he was Cedric Diggory. He's the one that got killed by Voldemort at yeah, the end. Not of the Cedric, movie. it's Victor yeah. Crumb. So what if what if what if he re- is is Victor Crumb's like grandfather? Uh-huh. So I was that's what I was thinking. I'm like that guy does look, that looks way too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, you know, I'll, I'll continue on once I can, you know, read the... Uh, you don't want to talk about it more? Um, yeah, he looks kind of like him. <laughs> With the hair and everything. Yeah. Goblet of Fire is like one of my favorite, one of the films. I love that one. I thought it was great. All the dragons and the, the whole tournament. All of it. It's awesome. Uh, huh. So, Victor's grandfather was killed by Grindelwald. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well... Oh yeah, but that'll come into play. That's that's going to come into play. I hope. <laughs> well, there's supposedly three more films coming out. So, I um, my whole problem with this whole Ministry of Lacusa, <laughs> no Ministry of Magic thing, was how they were introducing characters, and they knew that he was in New York. They knew that he was trying to stop the Obscurial. They knew that he was fighting, and he captured Grindelwald. That my whole problem with that entire sequence is they knew he did all this stuff, and they still were going after him. That's my problem with it. I think it's because the they have a problem with uh, with Dumbledore, and because he's connected to Dumbledore, they then they got a problem with him. Yeah, possible. So yeah, that's that's the only thing I can think of why it would be. All right, so um, Newt returns home to discover his American friends, Queenie Goldstein. 
and Jacob Kowalski, who have uh, unexpectedly arrived. Jacob has retained most of his memories from the 1926 events in New York as the Macusa's citywide obliviation order only erased muggles, bad memories, while Jacob Jacob's were mostly were mostly good. God damn, you're right, I can't read. <laughs> Quinny tells Newt that she and Jacob have followed her sister, Tina, to Europe. Tina is searching for credence in Paris. Is that two separate? Oh, fucking weird. Okay. That would be a <clears throat> semicolon. Yeah, fuck those things. They're a pain in my colon. Quinny also reveals that Tina believes Newt is betrothed to Lita Lestrange after reading an engagement announcement. Newt explains that the article confused him with Theseus. He deduces that Quinny has enchanted Jacob into eloping to Europe with her to circumvent Macusa's marriage ban between wizards and muggles, or no matches. After Newt lifts the charm, Jacob and Quinny quarrel about marrying, and an upset Quinny leaves to find Tina. Newt and Jacob follow the girls to Paris. All right. Um, he, uh, yeah. I, I, it's not a throwaway, but it's not... I never liked the character of Queenie Goldstein. I, I didn't find... There's something about that character that I just don't find useful. I like her more in the background. Like, in the first film, I liked her more because she wasn't at the forefront of things. And this time, you can tell she's a way more pivotal character. And it seemed like they did that whole her controlling um, Kowalski thing at the beginning to show what's going to happen with her, you know, like what she's capable of doing on a, on a darker scale near the end of the film where she turns. I guess. Kind of thing. I, that's the only thing, reason I could think of why she would, you know, they would have her do something like that. Right. When he already loves her. He already wants to be with her. So I, right. You know, even though he says that, you know, he doesn't want her to be, you know, get in trouble and have to go to Azkaban and shit. But still, it, it was odd. You know, why didn't they just run away together instead? So, uh, <coughs> well, part of it is because he was he was under the uh, the, the 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 love spell. Let's yeah. just call it that. So she's making him follow her, basically. Yeah. And she and she's she's basically manipulating him. Yeah. Uh, for for whatever reasons, you know, at this point it's not known, but um, she's she's doing it because, well. So that uh, they can get married. Yeah. So she she has she has good intentions of using it, but she did it with the, in the wrong way. Yeah. Um. I I, I look I, again. This this whole setup be for uh, for Newt to meet Tina and and all this other stuff that's going on. Um. Like, how did he not know that she wasn't in Paris? Like, I don't. You know, didn't they end up talking at the end of the first film, or did I miss something? Yeah, they they were talking at the end, you know, and she, you know she's pretty much she had to go back to the to Makusa and deal with her shit and you know, right. And he said, "I'll see you. You know, maybe I'll see you in a few months or something like that." Right, and and, and that's the thing is that like he would know where she went. Yeah, well, like he would have an idea where she went at least, but it just it seems I don't know. Some of this seems a little odd to me. Let's go on to the next. Okay. All right. Um, just just actually just read. Read as much as... Read, yeah, read the whole thing. Okay. All right. So, um, in Paris, Tina searches for Credence at a wizarding freak show at the Circus Arcanus. The Credence and another uh, circus attraction, a young woman named Nagini, who can transform into a snake, escape after causing a distraction. While searching for Credence's birth mother, he and Nagini locate the servant who put him up for adoption. However, Grimson, who was secretly working for Grindelwald, arrives and kills her. Meanwhile, Tina meets Yusuf Kama, who is also hunting Credence. 
Newton Jacob follow Yusuf to Tina, and Yusuf explains that oh, he made oh. an unbreakable vow to oh. kill Credence. Hold on, hold on. All right. Um, whom he believes is his stepbrother and the last of the Lestrange family. Yeah, I, I had to catch up with you because you, as you're reading it, it it's like while, while searching for Credence's birth mother, he and Nagini locate the servant who put him up for adoption. Grimson, who is secretly working for Grindelwald, arrives and kills her. And I'm like, wait a second. But it's the way it's written. Yeah. It's not your fault. And kills kills the servant of Credence's birth mother. Mm-hmm. So... Which who they made it look like it was his mom, right? Yeah, and and that whole scene was really cool. The way they did all the magic and stuff like that, with everything exploding and holding in place, yeah, and then coming back together yeah. as he's using the the protection spell, you know, as Grimson is using the protection spell, yeah, you know, while um, while Credence uses his obscura magic, yeah. So Newton, uh, Newton, Tina infiltrate the French Ministry of Magic for documents that can confirm. Creedence's identity, but Leda and Thesis discover them. Newton and Tina reconcile after he explains he has never in, he was never engaged to Leda. Their search for information about Creedence leads them to the strange family tomb. Yusuf says that he and Leda have the same mother. Leda reveals that Creedence is not her brother. In a twist of fate, Leda inadvertently caused the death of the infant Corvus while sparing Creedence. A fabricated trail has led Creedence to the tomb, where Grindelwald is holding a rally for his followers. Um, and uh, Jacob finds Queenie, who has apparently fallen in with Grindelwald in the audience. I don't really find that she didn't fall in with him. She, she get he's he's giving this this Hitler esque speech. Yeah, you know he this or her. this Voldemort type speech. Yeah, and he's trying to sway all these people to his cause, and uh, from there it gets really fucking well at the rally. I'm not here. Uh, this is what happens. At the rally, Grindelwald preaches abolishing laws, forcing wizards to be hidden from muggles, and utilizes future images of World War II to call for worldwide wizard supremacy and domination. Um, led by Theseus Aurors, which is funny because they end up actually doing this. Uh, you know, wizards hidden away from muggles, you yeah. know, to protect themselves. Uh, led by Theseus Aurors surround the rally, but Grindelwald sends his followers across Europe to spread his message. Well, Fending off the auras, Grindelwald casts a circle of blue flame to divide the followers from enemies. Credence and Queenie cross over to join him. Leda sacrifices herself by attacking Grindelwald, allowing Newt, Tina, Jacob, Yusuf, Nagini, and Theseus to escape. As Grindelwald bolts, the remaining heroes unite alongside the immortal alchemist Nicholas Flamel to defeat Grindelwald. Newt now realizes that he must join the fight. Um, that was a... Uh, I did not think that Tina's... Or, um Lita's character was already going to be gone that quickly. Yeah, that was interesting. And um, what I find great about that is it it's there's going to be history behind that. There's a reason why. But it was a character that was destined to change her entire family. Yeah. Like she was like the good <clears throat> person of the family. Yeah. Or at least one of them, whatever. Um, she wasn't a, yeah, she wasn't a pure blood muggle hater. Yeah, and and then when you get into the Harry and when you get into the the Harry Potter series, let's call it the original trilogy. There's only one original trilogy. <laughs> but when you get into the original Harry Potter trilogy, yeah. and then you come across the Lestrange family and the Malfoys and everything else, you can see how corrupted they have become. Bitter, yeah. Um and that's why they chose to join with Voldemort. Yeah. You know, because uh Grindelwald's Grindelwald starts this whole thing off, but, you know, his intentions, again, seem to be good. 
He wants, he, he's saying, you know, this is what we need to do, and we need to hide ourselves away from the muggles, and, and, and because this is going to happen, you know. His, his intentions aren't to kill people. It's, he's, basically, he wants to enslave humans, yeah. you know, to use them as their workhorses and whatever else because, you know, uh, magic users or, you know, wizards and, and witches are the true it's like rulers the ma- of this it's kinda world. kind of like the Magneto approach from X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the good guys feel that the two can coexist. Yeah. But really what happens is, is wizards should be hidden away from muggles. You know, that's what, that's what really happens. I mean, that's, in fact, it's one of the portents of... Portents. <coughs> it's one of the things that happens in... Fuck, I can't remember. It's the one where Ron steals his car. Yeah, it's, that's uh, the, the Chamber of Secrets. So Ron steals a car, and yep. then people see the car floating around, right? Yep. And then he gets in trouble because... You could have died. You muggles. Yeah, muggles could, could have seen you, yeah. and we're supposed to be hidden away. No one is supposed to know who we are. Uh, the one thing that they left out of this was um, the first time that Newt meets with, uh, with Dumbledore, and he's telling him how, where, where Tina is, and he gives him the card, I want you to go to Paris, yeah. and this is, your, this is your pass to go to Paris. And then the second one was when... Uh, um, didn't they go to Hogwarts twice? I think so. Because the because uh, one of the times is fucking Jude Law's walking, and I think that was the second time. But Jude Law's walking inc- towards Newt, and he and, I, and the first thing I think of is why the fuck is it this guy James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I can totally see him playing James Bond. Yeah, I mean he just has a swagger about him. Yeah, I, yeah and I told you it's because he banged the nanny. Yeah, well that's not true. <laughs> if if he that did were bang the nanny, who cares? I I don't. I know you. I, it was me fucking with you. Newt and the others. I know. But, uh, Newt and the others travel to Hogwarts, where Newt presents Dumbledore a vial taken from Grindelwald. It contains the blood pack that Grindelwald and Dumbledore, who were like brothers in their youth, which is not true. No, it wasn't brothers. It was lovers. Yeah, uh, made with one another. Newt surmises because this there's a whole love affair. Over there's a the overarching story of this is Dumbledore and Grindelwald's love affair for each other. Yeah. And that is very, very prevalent in all of the images with Grindelwald and and Dumbledore being together as young kids, all the way up through their 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 uh, parting of ways, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. and even when they're looking at each other in in reflections and stuff like that, you can see the loss. Yeah, you know the what could have been. Yeah, Bro- um, broken heart. But there's also. Uh, there's an underlying story to this whole thing, and the reason why, and I think it's going to be told in the th- in the next movie. In the next movie may be a prequel. We don't know, but then that's why there's going to be so many chapters of it. Yeah. But the underlying story between Dumbledore and Grindelwald isn't just a love affair. They are the two most powerful wizards ever. Okay, at this point in time. Yeah. And Grindelwald saw that, and him and Dumbledore were best friends, and and. Uh, and in fact, it was told in uh, Harry Potter in, a, in part two, in, Deathly Hallows part two. Or? I think it was told in part two. Yeah, but um, he, Dumbledore and Grindelwald, um, Grindelwald wanted to leave with Dumbledore and just wander and be these wandering wizard type guys, the most powerful wizards. They can do whatever they want, whenever they wanted. They could, they could do anything. Yeah. 
and we should go we should go and just do that just live our lives mm-hmm. fuck this society this and that we should be able to do this and dumbledore said no no because with great power comes great responsibility blah 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 yeah. and he's regretted that decision ever since <laughs> cuz who knows what might have happened and who knows what would have happened to grindelwald if he had gone if grindelwald's whole idea would have changed yeah. Uh, if yeah. Hitler has become the or the jilted lover has become Hitler. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of what it is, yeah. you know. Um, he's become this anti-Muggle thing, and and something has happened between you know that point in time and then you know these movies where he has become this fucking this bad guy. If you want, yeah, call you it can that. tell with Grindelwald that as long as you're on his side, he's like a Democrat. As long as you're on his side, he's, don't say that. <laughs> he, as long as you're he's on, like, his, he's a politician. As long as you see things the way he sees them and agrees with him, he's your best fucking buddy. But then if you turn on him at all, he's gonna fucking destroy you. Not necessarily. You can disagree with him. You don't have to agree with everything that he says, but you better have a fucking good reason for it. Like, um, like th- that standoff that he had between um, one of his followers who ended up dying, anyways. But one of his followers, he, and his follower had said something, and Grindelwald got right up into his face and said, you know, what are you talking about? You better have a good fucking reason for this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the guy didn't have a good reason. If you have a compelling argument against why Grindelwald, look, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. What if this? We could be walking into something we have no control over. This and this and this and this. And he'll take that into account. So he's not, he's not your atypical bad guy. Where you know he's he's I'll just kill you because right, mm-hmm. but if 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 you if you don't have reasons, don't have good enough reasons. If you're just doing this to to cock block, as it were, I guess it's the best term I could use. <laughs> you're just using this to cock block him. Then you know yeah he's he has no use for you if you're just saying stuff to say stuff. But if you're doing it to bring up uh, maybe faults in the whole plan. Look, we have to have a better fucking plan than this because, you know, this, this, and this, I can understand where you're going. But what if this? What if this? What what are we going to do in these circumstances? What is your plan of action? Yeah. You know, other than enslave the muggles and make the wizards the most powerful people on the planet, right? You know, the, the ruling class, as it were. Yeah. What, what if What if you have resistance? Well, we're going to have resistance. Okay. What if Dumbledore goes against you? Well, he won't. What if Dumbledore goes against you? Then what? What if something happens? Well, he won't go against me. You can't predict that. You don't know. What if he does? What if something happens that causes him to do that? What's your plan then? Yeah. And then he's going to think about it. He's like, okay. Because that's, that's smart questioning. You can question him in a smart way. Yeah. But if you're, if you're questioning him because you're against him, but you're with him, you know, then that's when, you, that's when you're going to fucking... You're gonna find yourself at the wrong end of a wand. The 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 impression that I got <laughs> from uh, from Grindelwald's character was that he's a more reasonable version of Voldemort. I would I, I think he's it's not just more reasonable. He's real. He try he's trying to be realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, Voldemort is is an angry, revenge seeking power monger. Power monger. Yeah, and not that Grindelwald isn't, but he's. He's doing it in a more political way, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing it by, <laughs> he's doing it by uh, going after the disenfranchised, you know, 
those that are tired of the ruling class dictating to them how they should live their lives when they know that they're more powerful than the regular fucking human beings that walk this planet. Yeah. And we should be doing something about that. So, but he's, he's, he, he, he has panache. He has a certain style of finesse. And, and that, that was indicative when he started off his, his, um, his monologue, which is, I don't hate humans or I don't hate muggles or whatever he says. Yeah. You know, I don't hate you. I don't hate people against me. <laughs> and we've been, to- I've been, everyone's been told that I hate this and this and this. And he's using that hate thing, right? I don't hate, you know? Well, here's the thing. What I got out of that was he's just saying that for now because it's not politically okay for him to just want to destroy everything. So for but now, you don't know if he does want to destroy anything. That's the that's the, that's just the feeling I got from him. Like like right now he knows that he's in a position where he can't be too uh, 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 tyrannical. Sure he can. He's the second most powerful wizard to walk the planet. Yeah, but he's also got to have um, support. It doesn't matter. That's the thing. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit if you support him or not because he's the second most powerful man to walk on the planet. And there's nobody that can stop him other than Dumbledore, and there's a blood pact between them. And he knows that Dumbledore cannot break that blood pact. And he doesn't think that anybody else is going to because he has the blood pact with him. Not anymore, but he does. Yeah. So he doesn't care. He has an ace in the hole. He doesn't give a fuck what you think. He doesn't give a fuck what any wizards think. But he's being political. He's massaging it. He... He knows he can go out there and say, fuck you all, join my cause or I'm going to kill every one of you, because I can. And instead of doing it that way, he's smart about it. This is what's going to happen. Shows footage of World War II. Shows the atom bomb going off. This is the power the muggles have, and they are going to supplant us. If we don't cage them, we don't cage these cattle. He's not talking about the other wizards. We don't cage these cattle. They are going to ruin us. We need to control the humans that are cattle. Mm. We are magicians. We are witches and warlocks, and, 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 and we're magic users. We, have, we are the next evolutionary stage, basically, right? <laughs> and our job is to herd those motherfuckers and weed out the bad ones, right? Yeah. We're in, in, in he's doing it in the way that... His whole thing is massage the people into believing that, you know, so that way he doesn't have to say, if you don't join me, I'm going to kill you. And I will. And he did. So you have people that come down and then he sets that fire, right? And then they, and, and he knew exactly what he was going to do. He's going to, he was going to start destroying Paris, you know, to, to uh, <coughs> show his power. But then you have Newt and all the others fight that fight that whole destruction in the cemetery gets fucked up. <laughs> All right, do you want to finish the read? Uh, Newt and the others travel to Hogwarts where Newt presents Dumbledore a vial taken from Grindelwald. It contains the blood pact between Grindelwald and Dumbledore. Newt surmises that this prevented Dumbledore and Grindelwald from dueling each other. Dumbledore confirms this but believes it may be possible to destroy the pact. That is Nur- Nurmengard base in Austria, which is, again, th- this is why it makes me think of Victor Crumb. Uh, Grindelwald reveals Credence's true identity as Aurelius Dumbledore, Albus's long-lost brother, and the only person powerful enough to defeat him. Queenie uses her mind-reading ability to advise Grindelwald on, the, on ways to control Credence. 
A baby, a baby bird that Credence had been carrying for is revealed to be a phoenix, a bird associated with the Dumbledore family. Now, um, that whole thing. So we know that Aurelius, not Aurelius, we know we're going to, we'll just call him Credence, that Credence is related to Dumbledore. Everybody says that it's his brother. Well, Dumbledore has a brother and a sister, okay? His sister had died. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember what happened to his brother, but that's besides the point. Uh, Albus, I mean, I'm sorry, Aberforth? Aberforth. Uh, well, they dueled each other, but I can't remember. Aberforth is alive because he was in the Deathly Hollows. Um, he was the older brother who never really did anything, and, uh, you know, he's also, you know, very critical of his of, of uh, Albus. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so right here... Uh, the motivation behind Dumbledore's flirtation with the idea of wizard domination. He lost his moral compass when he fell in love and subsequently became mistrustful of his own judgment in those matters, so he became quite asexual. He led a celibate and bookish life. That was about uh, Dumbledore. Um, I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find Aberforth. Right there at the top of the screen. There it is. <laughs> um, uh, he's a younger brother by three years, less skilled. Um... After his parents' death and Albus's return home to look for after their unstable sister, Aberforth quarrels with his brother and friend Gelder, Gellert Grindelwald over their plans to start a new order. Neglecting Ariana, Grindelwald began torturing him, leading to the three dueling. So Grindelwald tortures Aberforth. Okay. This argument resulted in Ariana's accidental death. At Ariana's funeral, Aberforth publicly confronts Albus and strikes him, breaking his nose. Eventually, Aberforth becomes the owner and barman of the Hogshead Inn. He is known for a strong affinity with goats. His Patronus takes the form of a goat, and he recounts to the trio that as a boy, he fed the goats in company with his sister, Ariana. Aberforth was also tried before the Wizengamot, or the High Court, for performing inappropriate charms on a goat. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? He was fucking goats. His tavern also, uh, according to Harry's description, has a faint smell of goats. In the film adaptation, a bleeding goat can be seen shuffling about in the back of the pub. It is not until the Deathly Hallows that Aberforth plays an important role in the series by taking Harry, Ron, and Hermione into his bar before the Death Eaters can capture them. Aberforth re later reveals to the trio some facts they didn't know about the history of Dumbledore while being held prisoner in Malfoy Manor. Harry briefly glimpses Aberforth's eyes in the remaining shard of the two-way mirror he was given by Sirius and calls for Aberforth's help. Aberforth bought its counterpart from Mundungus Fletcher. Um, using the mirror to watch over the trio, Aberforth sends Dobby to rescue them and the other prisoners. He liked Dobby and was upset to hear Bellatrix Lestrange killed him. Uh, Harry Potter. Aberforth follows or allows the resistant fighters to use the the secure passageway from Hogshead to the Room of Requirement through Ariana's portrait, it being the only unguarded entrance into Hogwarts. This passage is used to evacuate underage students, and according to Neville, it was used by members of Dumbledore's army to get food when they were living in the Room of Requirement because that is one thing the Room of Requirement would not do. Aberforth leaves the Order, believing the war against Voldemort is lost. However, he quickly joins the Battle of Hogwarts and is last seen stunning Augustus Rookwood, According to Rowling, Aberforth survives and is still at the Hogshead playing with his goats. Um, so this Aberforth is going to play an important role in one of these films as they continue on, because this is going to take place until 1945. Yeah. <coughs> um, 
here is here is my take on the whole thing is what I was telling Joe, which is just better not end with him standing on Tatooine looking at the dual suns. Yes. Why would I do that? Um, J.K. Rowling has been leading us on. They've been lying to us for the whole for, for the films yeah. that they've done, which is Fantastic Beasts. She set this up as Fantastic Beasts under the idea that she was going to do a, a, a movie about Newt Scamander's fucking yeah. books. And the wizarding world in general before anything relating to Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. But the most important and the most the most demanded movie or at least books um, that the fans wanted was the history of Dumbledore after it was found out that Dumbledore is gay. Yeah. So Dumbledore is gay, and then she goes completely off the grid. Yeah. After the Harry Potter series. Yeah, she's a fucking billionaire. <laughs> He's like, you don't need to write no more. Well, it doesn't matter. It's, that's besides the point. I know a writer writes always. Right. And uh, correct. <laughs> I learned that from Throw Mama from the Train. Right. And um, as as it ha- so happens, at the end of the film, we get a taste of Grindelwald. And we don't know what's going to happen from there. And then now, in the trailers, Albus Dumbledore shows up. So for the next, for the next year and a half, we're trying to, everyone's trying to figure out what's going on with this and why is Albus Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts and this and that. It's just going to be a cameo, blah, 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 kind of was. That's not what's going on. This is the story that everybody has wanted to see. This is and it was and it started off with a pretentious movie that it was a let's face it, it was a fifty fifty thing, you know. I I, I believe that fifty percent of the people liked it, fifty percent of the people didn't like it, you know, between critics and and. My daughter Kaylin didn't like it that much. She she was pissed off. She was pissed off a lot about the the whole nomad thing. Them just calling. She goes, "That's lazy writing. Just call them nomadges." I'm like, "No, think about it. Americans Americans are fucking lazy with their naming of shit." So it'd be perfect that we would call just call muggles nomadges. Yeah, muggles is a British word. Yeah, but she's like, no, I just have a problem with it. Okay. Well, and, and here's the other thing: <laughs> it, it sets everything. The first film sets everything up to lead into the whole Dumbledore story. Yeah. Which is going to lead into the whole fight between. It's going because again, there's, there's going to be six total films. There's four more films to do, and they'll do, and they can do a prequel or at least show what happened, like in the next movie. If they do it, I would do a prequel to show what happened between Grindelwald and Dumbledore and Aberforth, yeah. okay? Or uh, you know, and Albus. Ari- and Ariana. Right. And, and, then, and then you can move into telling the rest of the story. Yeah. But this was a mind fuck to begin with. The Crimes of Grindelwald, Fantastic Beasts. Well, the Fantastic Beasts is part of it, but it's such a subplot, it doesn't mean dick. It's like watching the main character just occasionally go to his his side job. Yeah, it's but it's showing how important Newt Scamander is because he, if you go into the next series, the original Harry Potter trilogy, yeah. this Newt Scamander is actually important in that series as well. Yeah, <laughs> with his books and whatever else, and they're going to tell the entire story of Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I think that his involvement with this whole thing, this whole sordid tale, is going to be what gets the wizarding community to start acknowledging these beasts that he cares so much about. Well, yeah, and and here's here's the other thing. Newt's importance to the entire trilogy yeah. is 
he there's something about him and Dumbledore that is going to flip the script. Yeah. I think. I'm kind of hoping. Not not like sexuality or anything else like that. There's something about, I mean, there's a reason why he's the main character. Yeah. Okay? And then everybody else is, and it's not just the Fantastic Beasts. There's something going on that we're, we've overlooked or haven't looked at enough. Yeah, that's why I don't follow what, you know, the, the, the fanboys are saying. Like, they're breaking down everything. All these timelines don't match up and all this shit. I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure JK's got a good beat on what the fuck she's doing. So I'm not going to be too critical of all of her choices yet. Yeah, and, and you can't rely on timelines from authors anyways until they actually have established stuff. Yeah. But they like when she talks about uh, McGonagall, McGonagall shows up in the movie. Yeah. You know, and it, according to fan theory, she was born in 1935, yet she shows up in 1927. Yeah. Well, why don't you just kind of back off on that? Yeah. You know, and go from, like, go from just October 4th. She was born October 4th. We know that. That's, I mean, that's written in, in fucking stone because that's when J.K. Rowling said she was born. But if, you, if you're just going to... You gonna, mean written in Philosopher's Stone? No, written in stone. Um, I want to get into this. Newt Artemis Fido Scamander. According to the About the Author section of the book, book Scamander became a magizoologist because of his own interest in fabulous beasts and the encouragement of his mother and an enthusiastic hippogriff breeder. He was born exactly 100 years before the first Harry Potter book. Sorcerer's Stone is set in 1997. Uh, is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was set earlier than that. <laughs> I thought it was set just during the 90s. Um, after being expelled from Hogwarts, Scamander joined the Ministry of Magic. Uh, Department of Regulation. Shit. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's. It's in the nineties. I know that. I just. It, no, it, it was. It was nineteen ninety three, because Harry Potter had to have been twelve. He was born in nineteen eighty one. Okay. <laughs> so ninety two, ninety three. Um, his career included a brief stint in the office of House Elf Relocation, a transfer to the Beast Division, the creation of the Werewolf Register in nineteen forty seven, the nineteen sixty five passage of the ban on experimental breeding, and many research trips to the. For the Dragon Research and Restraint Bureau, his contributions earned him an Order of Merlin, second class in '79. He retired in Dorset with his wife Propentia or Porpentina, and their pet measles, Hoppy Miller, Millie and Mahler. Um, he had a great. He had a grandson named Ralph who married Luna Lovegood uh, sometime after the events of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Um, in the film adaptation. It is mentioned that Scamander was expelled following an unspecified incident involving one of his creatures. Uh, I'm trying to find anything, but there is just fucking nothing about him at Said all. Said that his name showed on the Marauders map in Prisoner of Azkaban. You know what? What if that? Because he co- maybe him and uh, Dumbledore have visits with each other, and so he maybe he popped up in. Why Auburn. would he be on the? Why would he be? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So. But it doesn't really give any other information. Like yeah. if you go and look at other information, Dumbledore and and, and whatnot, even fucking uh, Grindelwald. Yeah, there's like huge chunks of information. Scamander, oh, he's just a he was a fucking writer, a Hufflepuff, <laughs> right? Um, but there's something about him that's going to be extremely important 
Um, especially like if you look at this, the creation of the were- werewolf register in 1947. Yeah. Well, that's two years after everything that had, had happened between Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. So what if werewolves become a part of this? You know, the werewolf registration, uh, uh, transfer to the beast division. Well, after all the dust has settled for World War Two. Yeah. I can see that. So, I, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just firing a bullet at a you know. <laughs> At a fucking poster, just to see what would happen, and just going clean through, because there's nothing there. It's not gonna. It's not landing anywhere. But you know, Yetis. We haven't seen Yetis. We haven't seen a bunch of these. I think that the fanboys are exactly like. I mean, these overcritical fanboys are just like how the critics are about this movie. This movie has a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, before that, the lowest-rated Harry Potter-related film was the the last Fantastic Beast, which I think was like at like a seventy percent or something like that, like between sixty-five and seventy percent. When this movie first came out two weeks ago, it was at fifty-eight percent, and now it's all the way down to fucking forty, dude. I, there's even an article that says this is this is the uh, Attack of the Clones version of Harry of of uh, Harry Potter um, when it should be the Last it's Jedi. Stu- when it should be the Last Jedi. Yeah, and I've got problems with Last Jedi, so I. I you know, Last Jedi to me is not a great fucking movie, and so um, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a great fucking movie either. So yeah, and I I can agree with that. It's it's yeah. there. It had moments moments of fucking greatness, and then moments of what the fuck are you doing? You know. Yeah, and and uh, aside from aside from that, I mean, look, I I'm gonna take um, calling it the Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean, just because some of the fucking. That's way they're they're fucking. You're, you're just you're yeah. grasping. Yeah. I mean, even even people that are fucking hating on the new trilogy are going back and going, "Wow, George Lucas really was a genius." Like, really? These are the same people that are fucking oh, fucking the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and they all suck. And I I stand by what I say, which is, I think Anakin should have been older. Uh, starting with the Phantom Menace, he should have been more like Han Solo. Yeah. But that's it. It's George Lucas's baby, yeah. not mine. So, however it's done, either you, you know you don't have to like it, but you have to respect what George Lucas has done. And it's not your fucking movie; it's his. It was his trilogy. It was his sextology. You don't like it? Don't matter. He what did. What would it. they say in Boston? You don't like it? Fuck off. Or are they gonna say go fuck yourself? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it's just you know, take a walk, take a long walk off a short pier. Yeah. Um, this movie, in and of itself, like, I think that most people are missing the big picture on this one, which I, is I was one of them. Which is the Dumbledore Grindelwald story. Yeah. This there's a the whole hidden story, the whole story that everybody mm-hmm. wants. J.K. Rowling is giving the fans what they fucking want. And they don't even know they're getting it. And, yeah, and and yeah. that's exactly what's going on. And she's doing it bits and pieces at a time. Yeah. And and if you can't see that coming, you're not going to be happy because, you know, she's not writing a book. She's not going to write a book about this, at least not yet. And she's definitely, I mean, she's not writing books right now. She's taking some time she's off. She's writing these movies. Yeah, she's doing these movies. And uh, again, you know, I mean, if you if, if you're missing the big picture, you need to go back and see what she's doing because she's mind she's Jedi mind tricking you. Uh-huh. She's mind fucking you into believing that these are st- these are not the wizards you're looking for. Yeah, these these are th- this is a story about Newt Scamander, 
And Newt Scamander, even though he's the main character so far, yeah. is not the main character. Yeah. Grindelwald is the main character, and so is Dumbledore. But he will become a, a he's just a minor character bigger right now. Factor, yeah. yeah, he will he will play a bigger factor in the movies coming up, and that's exactly what she wants. And she's giving it to you little bits and pieces at a time. She's like feeding a baby. Here come the airplane. Here come the airplane. Open your mouth. Like, no, no, <laughs> no. And you're and you're turning your head and closing your mouth. And then someone tickles your foot and you laugh. And then the fucking the spoon goes in your yeah. face. You know, and then you start spitting out yeah. that fucking <laughs> ugly, pasty, squash thing. Yeah. You want the butterscotch. You want that fucking flavored butterscotch or tapioca pudding, Gerber's baby food. You want the fruit medley. No, you want the butterscotch or the tapioca. Fuck the fruit medley. Kids love the fruit medley. No, man. they love butterscotch. My kids love the fruit medley. Fu- well, your fucking kids are idiots. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> They're not. Well, they are. They're not. <laughs> they are. Um, it's the butterscotch. Yeah. You want the fucking butterscotch. You want the cake. Yeah. You know? I don't want cake. You're going to eat your fucking food. You can't have the cake. Mm. I don't want to. And then you're like, go, you know, do the airplane thing. And then you turn your head at the last minute and it goes right across your face and right into the cheek and you drop the spoon. Yeah. You know. Everybody wants the whole fucking buffet in this, you know, instant gratification society. And it's, and instead she's slowly. Yeah. She, yeah. She's feeding it. She's to bringing you one appetizer at a time. Not even that. She's one mozzarella stick. Well, she's got three not even not even that. She's bringing you a piece of a mozzarella stick. Mm-hmm. Dip it in the sauce. Enjoy the flavor. Have a drink. Would you like some more? Would you like some more? <laughs> yes. Well, here's another piece. Okay. Mm. The other pieces are still baking. Yeah. I'll get. I'll bring them out to you when they're ready. They have to be done when they're done. I'll have to say that uh, when you when you had all that to say about it when we walked out of the film, because for me this is one of those films I I know I have to see twice. Because I know I miss a lot of things the first time. And so the, all those things that you caught on to, I didn't. You know, I was getting a little confused here and there. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? Who's that? Why is this? And, the, you know, and so, you know, I, but I still wasn't ready to just rush judgment. I was, I was actually interested. Like, where the fuck are they taking this? This is, this is interesting. You know, you can tell that this is not made for little kids. Yeah, it, this is not a movie for little kids. And even, uh, you need to, you don't have to. You should do some research on some of the stuff because if you go through the list of things, like some of the characters and whatnot, yeah, you'll start to get a picture of where they're going with this movie. Like I'm, I'm looking up the Werewolf Register, which was created by Scamander in '47. A list of all known werewolves in Great Britain and is controlled and maintained by the Werewolf Registry, sub department for the regulation control measure creatures. It is un- unknown what happens to those who refuse to register and are discovered later. However, the registry is poorly kept, as Fenrir Greyback, a gray wolf, managed to hide his status at first when he was brought up to the ministry by pretending, pretending to be a muggle tramp. He's the one who infected uh, Professor Lupin. Correct. David Dulles. Yes. And uh, I just, I mean, I, I, find, I find this all vastly interesting that um, uh, she... She's fucking. She's mind fucking us. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, look. She knows what the fuck she's doing. I just wonder how much changed though when this was originally planned as a trilogy, and then they then they announced after the how successful the first film was that they're going to make five films. So I'm wondering though, what if it, they, she had always from the get go planned on doing five films, 
But the studio was a little apprehensive at first, right? And so, oh, yeah, it's just three films, you know? Well, I think that she set it up so that this is probably what she did. She went to them and said, I have five films. And they're like, no, you're going to do three. And then the first one was successful, and she went, five films. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, hold on a second. I'm going to do five films. And they're like, no, you you can do three. And she went, Harry Potter, a billion dollars. Hell, Deathly Hollows made one point one billion. Yeah. Oh, and they split into two, so actually it made about two billion. Yeah. Two billion dollars off of two films. One film did a billion dollars. Like all of those fucking films did mul- like ten billion dollars. Yeah. Then that's two films based off of one book. Imagine if they split all the books. Yeah, and the this book they needed to split was The Order of the Phoenix. That book is like nine hundred and something pages long. Yeah, it's a huge book. Yeah, there's so much that's a huge bitch. That's a big bitch. <laughs> they should have left they they should I mean Order of the Phoenix, there's so much shit they cut out of that fucking book, man. Oh, my God. It's been a decade since I've read it, though, so I can't remember all the uh, shit that's been like that. See, there's Mundungus Fletcher yeah, right I, there. Yeah, I remember Mundungus. Um, he was a greasy, a greasy character. Sounds like something you get on your foot. Mundungus. Yeah. <laughs> something in your butthole. <laughs> What's wrong? We got some Mundungus. <laughs> huh. My Mundungus is acting up. That, that don't sound right. I can't come into work today. Uh, all right, the film. <laughs> Uh, $938 million for uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Now. That was my least favorite of all the films. It was a good film. It is still good. But I always it always stood out as my least favorite. Because the whole prophecy thing just felt like a waste of time. Them trying to fucking find the prophecy. Uh, the Harry Potter portal. Uh, <clears throat> I don't need that. I need fucking Harry Potter... Oh, there's also a rumor that Neville Longbot- Longbottom uh-huh. is the actual heir, not Harry Potter, is the um, is is what the prophecies are. Okay. About uh, I want subcategories, books, controversies, lists. All I want is the films. I don't care about anything else. Here we go. Uh, don't need soundtrack. Ugh, is that it right there? Uh, 974.8 million for the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, the lowest grossing Harry Potter film was The Prisoner of Azkaban, which is one of the best of the film of the series. 879 million for The Chamber of Secrets. Come on, bro. Azkaban 797. So what is that? 3 billion, 2 billion right there. Yeah. It's like 28 2.8 billion so far. Goblet of Fire 896. 3.7. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, 3.7. Order of the Phoenix, we already decided that was what, 900? 950? Yeah. Half Blood. Looks like 4.6. 934. Okay. So we're at. Uh, 5.6. Yeah. Just call it a billion. Deathly Hallows. Six Hall- films, almost $6 billion. Deathly Hallows, 960. Yeah, so call it one. Yeah. So you seven books, eight films. And then, yeah, Deathly Hallows mean like 1.13 or something like that. Yeah, 1.3. Or 1.3, shit. So, yeah, um, eight films, pr- almost $8 billion, just under $8 billion, So Well, we're not done yet. $814 million for Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, and Grindelwald's been out for two weeks, and it's made over $400 million so far. Right. On its way to a billion. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 films. Theatrically. Theatrically, ten billion dollars. That's yeah. not even including all the other shit. That's like a yeah. It's it's fucking crazy. Now you know it's not that doesn't include exactly what you said. The related works, the video games, 
the novels. Because every time one of these movies comes out, the book starts selling them like like crazy again. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's crazy. She she personally made a billion dollars off the novels. Yeah, dude, this is it's a modern day classic, man. Yeah, it's uh, one of the most. Uh, it's one of the best selling um, book series ever. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, dude, she's, she's and great. and you know what? Stephen King loves her. <laughs> he absolutely loves. J.K. Rowling, King approved. Yeah, well, they're both part of the Billion Dollar Book Club. Well, yeah, but I mean, when you come, when it comes right down to it, when you have another author who is very vocal about specific writers and stuff like yeah. that, and he comes out and says, "I love Clive Barker" or "I love J.K. Rowling," when you get Stephen King approved, yeah, holy shit, that's like getting front page reddited. Just stamp of approval, man. Yep. So, anyways, uh, that's all I got. It's almost it's just like with artists, uh, musicians. You, you're not. You haven't made it until Weird Al Yankovic has made has parodied you. No, that's not true. He hasn't parodied Megadeth or Metallica. What if he hasn't? It just didn't come into video form. He hasn't. Dude, what are you gonna buy fuck his, with me? Buy his fucking albums. All right. So uh, you want to do? The I, I would say. I would say, as a pop star, you know, no. if Weird Al hasn't parodied you, I ba- I basically get off of what Nirvana said. Nirvana said they didn't realize they made it big until until. Uh, <laughs> Weird out parodied them. Yeah, and and that's and and that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely true mm. for the most part, um, because when you're in, when you're when you've made it through pop culture, yeah, like Michael Jackson's "Beat It" or "Thriller" or you know that's you know or <laughs> name or, that tune. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, Nirvana or. Or anything, anything that Weird Al Yankovic has touched is because it's pop culture, yeah. Not necessarily popular music, pop culture, Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam, you know, Star Wars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's part of, it's part of our fabric now. Yeah, you know, the big quilt of the United States, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, let's do the trivia, then we'll get out of here. All right. I don't care. You don't care. You don't give a fuck. All right. What should we find that's uh, interesting? Uh, I don't know, but you're going to have to figure it out and write them (laughs) down for me. Newt's commander carries a wand, practices magic, and works for the Ministry of Magic, even though he was expelled from Hogwarts, which puzzled several fans um, online, especially since Hagrid wasn't afforded these liberties. J.K. Rowling has explained that the reason for this will be revealed throughout the series. So stop being so fucking impatient. You'll find out. All right. Uh, This is... it's because he joined the Ministry of Magic in the Department of the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. In order to do that, you have to have a wand. It's right there in the Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, and by the way, he's also a confidant of Albus Dumbledore. So him being expelled from Hogwarts doesn't mean that he didn't graduate. He got his GED. <laughs> or W-E-D? GED. O-L. Owl. Oh, the owls, yeah. yeah. That's right. O-L-E-E-D. That's right. Um... So uh time out. What? Ray Liotta. What's wrong with Ray Liotta? His face, he's got the big bulky fat face now. No. Look at his hair. He's got hair like mine. You see his hair? Yeah, it's like, like great. on the side. It's like Grindelwald's hair. It's but it's buzzed on the side. He's got fucking Polly's. He's got Polly uh Polly's uh fucking silver tips like uh like in the Sopranos. Oh well, yeah, but that's not the point. That's all fake. That's fake gray hair. Oh yeah. But do you see his eyes? In his face, it was just caked with fucking makeup. Yeah. Like, that's bad. I'm not talking into the mic, but that's because <laughs> I'm looking at a 
goddamn TV. That's terrible. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your fucking that. Your but I, I just I wanted to talk about that real quick. On to number two. <laughs> All right. During his first audition for Theseus, Callum, Callum Turner instinctively kissed Eddie Redmayne on the top of his head, which he believes is what got him the role. I don't know what that means. Like, I guess, like, during their scenes of acting, like when you left him, instead oh. of a hug or something, you kissed him on top of the head. Who? Eddie Redmayne. The, the-, the Theseus, the one who played his brother. Uh-huh. When he auditioned for the role and uh-huh. he was doing the scene with Eddie Redmayne, he kissed him on top of the head. Uh-huh. So he thinks that doing that, that improvisation, is what got him the role. Uh-huh. <laughs> you still look confused. Confused. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> All right. Um... Number three. Coincidentally, Callum Turner and Eddie Redmayne grew up less than 300 feet from each other. They hit many milestones in the same places and learned to swim in the same pool. So they knew each other. Yes. But kissing on the head, that must have fucking done it. Monster rain. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. (laughs) It took me about a second and a half, but I remembered. Ha! God damn it. Kissed him on the top of his head. (laughs) Just the tip, baby. Just the tip. All right. Yes, that's why I mean when he kissed him on the top of his head. Yeah, Thanks for I, know, the I, know, Thanks. I know, I know, I know. Carl. <laughs> I don't know if she was in this movie or not, but it's in the trivia. Uh, costume designer Colleen Atwood has been dressing Johnny Depp for all kinds of his characters for over 30 years. Uh, I don't know. You don't know? I think she is. Well, I mean. God, it's fucking... D- does she get some, some of his wine? There's always the... <laughs> God, that's just... That, that, that's part of the payment. This marks the 10th movie in the Harry Potter trilogy. God, well, it is also, <laughs> also got to mention, there's always got to be something about Johnny Depp. You know, people have a problem with him being hired because he was accused of abuse. Yeah. John, Johnny Depp was also in Pirates of the Caribbean, which also had somebody that was a minor actor in, had, yeah. in these movies. It had Satan McFuckface in it. Yeah. Who also appeared in this movie with Daniel Craig, Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, whose mother was in the trailer for, uh, for uh, The Ninth Gate. <laughs> All right. Tom Riddle, who is Lord Voldemort, of course. Tom Riddle. Uh, yes. Is estimated to be less than a year old when this movie takes place. In Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which takes place in 1992. You're right. It was 1991, the first one. Um, the chamber is said to be have been opened 50 years prior, in 1942. It is also said that Tom Riddle turned 16 that same year. So he must have been born on December 31st, 1926. Since this movie is set in 1927, Tom would be one year old by the end of that year. Yeah, because uh, they, they, it was established that Harry Potter's parents died in 1981. Yeah. And then he was given to the Dursleys because they're protected. It was kind of weird how they're protected. Because it's a family thing. So Well, it's not just that, but they're protected. They're, there's like a protection spell on them because they don't believe in magic or whatever else. So, like, Voldemort can't get to that house because it's invisible, Yeah, it's protected, and there's something about the Dursleys that is also amplifying that protection. Maybe they're just so unsavory that even Voldemort can't get near them. No, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jude Law used an authentic sleight of hand move he had learned for the scene where Dumbledore presents his card to his commander. Whether the visual outcome... Has been th- has then been further tweaked in post production or not, as of the film's release, up for, is up for debate. But the move itself is still easily recognizable to anyone who's ever so much as dabbled in the art of sleight of hands. A set of puppeteers allowed the actors 
and technicians to physically take the place of the animals, which were then finalized in post-production thanks to the visual effects. Robin Gulver, the puppeteer responsible for creatures, led the team. He is recognized professional since his creation of the character of Warhorse on Broadway and his participation in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yep. The puppets were of different sizes and materials depending on the beast. For example, small bags of marbles were used to double the Niffler and his babies. And the enormous Zuu required no less than three puppeteers, one manipulating his large sculpted head while the others moved his body and tail nearly three meters long that they swayed at the end of a pole. The early rumors on who would play the young Albus Dumbledore included Christian Bale, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then Jared Harris, the son of Richard Harris, the first Dumbledore. Yep. All right. Yeah, he's too old to play Dumbledore now because, you know, I think Rich, I think uh, um, Jared Harris has got to be in his 50s now, right? Huh. Did not know this. Wait, I don't, oh, never mind. This isn't the same guy. What? Oh, I, Just read it. Olafur Dari Olafsson, who plays the role of Skender, was the Icelandic voice for Hagrid in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Huh. Awesome. For a second, I was thinking it was the dude from Game of Thrones. You know, the fucking, the, the mega dude. Olaf, Olafson. <laughs> yeah, that, that fucking huge guy. Yeah, Olaf, the mountain. Yeah. Oh, my God. That guy's huge. Um, it's true. Didn't even realize that. Uh, Grindelwald has been played by four actors. Colin Farrell. Uh-huh. Johnny Depp. Uh-huh. Jamie Campbell Bower. I think that's the young one. And Michael Byrne. Michael Byrne was the old one that uh, Voldemort Ooh. kills in Deathly Hollows. Right. I believe that's the same guy that was in... Um, uh, oh my God! Uh, the Last Crusade, uh-huh. and this is how we say goodbye in Germany, Doctor Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Swedish way better. I like the Austrian way better. <laughs> I can't find it. I need the cup. I like the Austrian way better. I like the Austrian way better. That's good. There you go. There we go. Now I need to smack a woman. Let's go punch <laughs> people. <laughs> All right. Um, there actually exists a city in Switzerland by the name of Grindelwald. <laughs> I think their tourism just went up. Yeah. Well, Dursley is a town in Gloucester, <laughs> Gloucestershire, England, and J.K. Rowling grew up not too far away from the town, but she never visited it. Huh. Do you want your stupid connections? Yes. All I'm right. waiting for you to fucking finish this so we can... Here's a stupid connection. Jude Law previously appeared in Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow yeah. with previous Dumbledore, Michael Gambon. Yep. He also appeared in Road to Perdition with yep. Kieran Hines, who plays his brother Aberforth. In Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadow, he worked with Jared Harris. Where do you think this is going? Who son, also was? Son of previous Dumbledore Richard Harris. In in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, he worked with Johnny Depp and Colin Farrell. Um, Aberforth wasn't in any of the movies. And he, Aberforth was in, uh, is, was in um, the final film. He's the one that, um, that they go to Hogsmeade. Remember when the alarms go off yeah, in yeah, Hogsmeade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nines. And I just talked about it. I mean, I was thinking he, he wasn't in any of the Fantastic Beast movies. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but you know he's going to show up. He's got to. All right. Um, wow, here it is again. What the fuck? They, they, are these people? All right. When Nicholas Flamel opens his locker, the Philosopher's Stone can be seen glowing inside. Did you notice it? What? When Nicholas Flamel opens his locker. Remember old, old ass? Say that again. When Nicholas Fl- Flamel opens his locker... The Philosopher's Stone, which is also the Sorcerer's Stone, uh-huh. the American version, um, can be seen glowing inside. Neat. All right. 
Johnny Depp signed on without reading a script. He wanted to be part of the series because he's a self-proclaimed massive fan of the series and also to get help pay for his rum addiction. Or wine. wine. <laughs> his wine addiction. Why is the wine Transcendence. always gone? Uh, <coughs> he does, huh? I don't know. Grindelwald wields the Elder Wand, one of the Deathly Hollows, which was the huge plot point in the Deathly Hollows. Is that the that's the one he's currently using in the film? Shit, I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's got to be the elder one because he uses it until Dumbledore takes it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're finally they are going to have a duel, aren't they? So the uh, pact will be broken. Jesus Christ! Is this going to take long? <laughs> For some reason, I made an assumption that this was going to have short amounts. So that that's yeah. All right. Um. All right. Lastly. Uh, the movie establishes that Nagini is a wizard-born human under a curse named Maledictus, forcing her to change the shape to a snake. In the Harry Potter movies, Nagini is Voldemort's pet, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really else to read. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, and, uh, and, okay here, lastly. Hold on. Look at that picture. What does that picture remind you of? Deathly Hollows. That's the picture of the Philosopher's Stone. Hmm. That's very interesting. All right. Um... In the beginning of the movie, Jacob, bre- Jacob breaks off his engagement to Queenie. In the beginning of the first movie, there was a scene in which Jacob's fiance breaks off their engagement. The scene was ultimately deleted. Okay. Huh. Okay. I, I think it, yeah, there wasn't uh, there wasn't too much informational uh, or interesting information on that one. Not at all. No. <laughs> kind of wasted my time with that one, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? All right. So, uh, shit. Yeah, th- this is one of those movies where I would. I'm still holding judgment on my final uh, my final opinion on the movie because I, I definitely need to see it twice. So I haven't seen it again yet. Um, but uh, you know what? Visually, it looked really cool. Um, I like the fact that it's not it's not catering to kids. It's it's a, it's this is a mature film, you know, for people that have grown up reading Harry Potter. Uh, and all I gotta say is fanboys need to back the fuck off and just let this shit, you know, let it gel. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, let it ride out and go from there. Yeah, you know, I, if it, look, she didn't rush into doing this shit. If she was rushing into doing shit, she would have made more, you know, more, more wrote more books and and did more stuff right after Deathly Hallows ended, and she didn't. You know, she's taking her time. So, uh, I you know, I'd say first impression with this movie, I'd probably give it a, um, I give it a seven. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay. That's so, what I want. And then yeah, I'll um I either I'll take my kids to go see it or I'll just oh I'll, I will end up buying it when it comes out on 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 disc. So um either way, I'll, I'm you know, I'll, maybe I'll be able to see the things that you saw better the, the second time around. Yeah. And uh just so you know, Nicolas Flamel was a successful French scribe and manuscript seller. After his death, Flamel developed a reputation as an alchemist believed to have discovered the philosopher's stone and achieved immortality. These legendary accounts first appeared in the 17th century. According to texts ascribed to Flamel almost 200 years after his death, he had learned alchemical secrets from a Jewish converso on the road to Santiago de Compostela, uh, as Deborah Harkness put it. Others thought Flamel was a creation of a 17th century of 17th century editors and publishers des- desperate to produce modern printed editions of supposedly ancient alchemical treaties uh, or treatises, then circulating in manuscript. For an avid reading public, he has since appeared as a legendary alchemist in various fictional works. Uh, the historical Flamel lived in Paris in the 14th and 15th centuries. 
His life is one of the best documented in the history of medieval alchemy. He ran two shops as a scribe and married Perinel. In 1368, she bought, brought the wealth of two previous husbands to the marriage. The French Catholic couple owned several properties and contributed financially to churches, sometimes by commissioning sculptures. Later in life, they were noted for their wealth and philanthropy. Flamel lived into his 70s and in 1410 designed his own tombstone, which was carved with the images of Christ, St. Peter, and St. Paul. Uh, the tombstone is preserved at the Musée de Cluny in Paris. Records show that Flamel died in 1418. He was buried in Paris at the end of the nave of the former church of St. Jacques de la Boucher. Boucher. Bobby Boucher. Uh, his, that a will, joke, Bobby? <laughs> his will, dated 22 November 1416, indicates that he was generous, but that he did not have the extraordinary wealth of later alchemical legend. There's no indication that the real Flamel was of history was involved in alchemy, pharmacy, or medicine. He was a real person and may have dabbled, but his reputation as an author and immortal adept must be accepted as an invention of the 17th century. All right, so there we go. Oh, there you go. All right, so um, the next movie that we will be talking about will be uh, the 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 wonderful <laughs> Wreck It Ralph too. Yeah, yeah, Ralph uh, wrecks the internet. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely give you our opinions on that uh, that piece. <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, noisy uh, noisy audience members. God damn. All right, so anyway. Uh, this isn't compelled, so I don't need to tell you to stay stay safe. Okay, so stay safe. All right, so fuck off. Stay instead. out of the Wayne. Stay out of the Wayne. Uh. Good night. <laughs>